We're going to start a, a series this morning entitled, If He Builds It. But over the next four weeks, we are going to, uh, to look at the church. We're going to look at the church as an unstoppable force. You see, Jesus told us that he was going to build his church. He told us, as we'll see a little bit later, that he proclaimed, I'm going to build my church. And I'm convinced that if he builds it, there's some characteristics that it's going to contain. The first thing is it's going to be a, a supernatural. It's going to be life-changing. It's going to be a, a relational. We believe church is, is about relationships and about rubbing elbows with people and, and, and about fixing coffee. And it's, You're going to build relationships if the church is performing the way that it should and running the way that it should. It's going to be attractional. People who are hurting, people who are messed up are going to be attracted. Uh, look at how people who were messed up were attracted to Jesus. They ran to him. And the church should be no different. And it should be missional. In other words, we do not just come here on a Sunday without a reason and without a purpose. We have a mission. We gather for a reason. So over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at those four topics. Supernatural, relational, attractional, and missional. So logic would tell us that this morning, we're going to look at the first one in that list. The church is supernatural. It is something beyond human effort. If we look back in Scripture, one of the first things, Jesus' birth was supernatural. Man didn't make it happen. Man couldn't make it happen. It wasn't by human effort. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and something supernatural happened. We know that Jesus was born out of a supernatural birth. Well, that same Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost fell on 120 people in the upper room. And Jesus gave birth to the church. Something supernatural happened. He had told his disciples what was going to happen. He was standing at a literal place, the gates of hell. You see, this was a, this was a literal place that they believed, the pagans believed, that there was a river to the underworld there. And that pagans, they believed that gods lived there. They believed that the, the fertility god lived in this dark river that they called the gates of hell. And so he's standing there with his disciples. And he asked them, he said, who do men say that I am? And they began to respond. And then he looked at them and he said, who do you say that I am? And we found this account in Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. It says, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. 
And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus was saying, you see where they, that right there, you see where that they say there's a river to the underworld. It's not going to prevail against this church. Against the church that I'm going to build. He said, no force, no false worship, no darkness, no demon. He said, I'm going to, to build a people and put my spirit in them. And greater will be the spirit that's in them than the spirit that's in the world. And he began to, to call us out. The word there is ecclesia. Which means called out to gather. You see, church, you're not the church by yourself. God called you out of darkness into a marvelous light to to come together to be a family and to be a force in and on this earth. He told us in his word, he said, when you gather, I am in the midst. Matthew 18 and 20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So he says, when we come together in a situation, in a setting like this, I'm here. He's here. He's in our midst. Well, what does he do? Well, Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 says this. The Lord your God in your midst, The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. And he will rejoice over you with singing. What does he do when he's in our midst? He says he will save us. He rejoices over us. He quiets us with his love. He rejoices over us with singing. How many people were saved Come to Christ in a church-sponsored event, whether it's Bible school or, or, or church, or uh, most of us were. You see, that's when when we gather together in His midst. He said He wants to save us. Zephaniah two verses down, chapter three, verse nineteen says, "And I will undo all that afflicts you." I mean, people have some things that that afflict you. You came in here this morning with, whether it's physical or emotional or mental or financial, there are, as long as we live in this world, there's going to be things that afflict us. He said, but when we gather together, he is in our midst and he will undo all that afflicts us. That's the power, the supernatural power of the church. You see, it's not just a social gathering. Yes, we love getting together. And if you've been here any amount of time, you know that we love each other. And we love hanging out, not just on Sundays, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, in life groups. We love getting together. But it's not just a supernatural, it's not just a social gathering, but it's supernatural. It's not just a feel good to remove guilt. You know, some people want to treat church that way. They, they come in every Sunday just so they can remove the guilt of, of everything and they feel like they, they, they need that. It's not about that. It's supernatural. It's not just a weekend event. It's supernatural. What happens here is supernatural. God's love is supernatural. His faith in us is supernatural. He perfects us. It's supernatural. 
And he tells his disciples here, I'm going to build my church. And if he builds it, it's going to do a work. So this morning, I'm going to look at, very briefly, three elements of building. Three elements of building. How many people think I look like a contractor? My father-in-law just said, hmm. Boy, the, the fun is just starting, I'm just going to tell you. Him and Aaron's been at that building. We don't even own it yet, and they've been there every day. Just plotting where they're going to start first. And I've been plotting which remote island I'm going to for the next six months. Three elements of building. The first thing is the foundation. When we started looking at this building, the very first thing we did, we had a contractor come in and say, look at the foundation. We want to make sure that it's, that it's solid. We want to make sure that it's not going to, to fall in. And we begin looking at the foundation. And, and when it comes to his church, there's a foundation. And the foundation is his love. Christ's love for us. He saves us. You see, every other religion other than Christianity is based on fear. And a lot of people, even their Christianity is based on fear. They're afraid that if if they don't do just the right thing, that God's going to get them. That he's sitting in heaven just waiting to, to, to send a lightning bolt. But the foundation is for God so loved the world. He doesn't want you to be afraid. He tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, for God gave us God gave us a for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. He doesn't want us to be afraid. He doesn't want us uh, to live a life of fear. He says Perfect love casts out all fear. He loves you. And that is the very basis of the church. That is the very basis that for God so loved the world. And some people think that when we come together to celebrate the fact that God loves us, that it's foolishness. But I stand here this morning before you and tell you, if you have ever experienced the love of Jesus, you know it's something worth celebrating. You know it's worth celebrating the fact that we were sinners. That we were not deserving of His love, yet He died for us anyway. And we can celebrate that fact. And it's the very foundation. The foundation isn't human love. But it's the fact that Jesus laid down his life for us. John chapter 15 verse 13 says, No greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life. Jesus laid down his life. He loves the church. He died for the church. And the God that created you, And loved you. He died for you. Romans chapter 8 verse 15. 
says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. He said, we don't have to be fearful slaves, but he has adopted us into his family. I've watched over and over as as children become adopted. And it gives them a a place of belonging. A place that, that maybe they didn't feel wanted or loved or accepted before. But somebody comes in and they adopt them into their family. And they said, now you are called by my name. You are mine. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to be responsible for you. And that's exactly what God did for us. He said, you don't have to be fearful slaves. You don't have to feel like that you don't belong or that you, that you uh, don't fit in or that you have no one that loves you or cares for you. I love you. I sent my son to die on the cross for you and I've adopted you into my family and I call you my own. It's the very foundation for the church. Secondly, as we begin looking at this this building, there's walls that we need to to knock out. Never seen such small rooms. Had no idea what happened when that building was built. One big room in the middle and just a bunch of small rooms all the way around it. If you've been upstairs in our kids' ministry, you know small rooms aren't going to get it. So when we went in and started looking, we said, we've got to make these rooms functional. We've got to make them larger. And so what we decided that would have to happen is we're going to have to knock out some walls and we have to frame At least that's what I'm told. I think that means like two by fours and I promise none of your money that you give to uh, the building fund will go to my vacation, okay? But the second part of building is, is framing. You see, we are framed by his faith. He believes in us. You see, our faith is human effort. But God's faith in me is supernatural. It has nothing to do with us. And it has everything to do with Him. You say, well, show it to me in Scripture. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. He believes in us. We live by the faith of the Son of God. You see, there's moments that I feel great. And there's moments that I feel down. We look all through the Bible. Sometimes David, you know, King David, the one that God anointed king. There was sometimes that he was on top of the world. And there was sometimes that, that he was dragging the ground. There's times some of us feel great. And there's other times we need a Prozac. Let's just be real. But you see, I do not live by my faith. Because that's human effort. But the faith of the Son of God. He believes in me. 
He believes in you. He saw something in us worth dying for. You see, when we look at ourselves, it is so hard to see past our past. We start living for God or or we're trying to make that decision and we look back and we say, look how many times I've messed up. Look what's in my past. And we can't see past that. Or we look at ourselves in our current state, in our present state, and we look at it and we say, you know, I just, I can't do this. And our faith begins to waver. But you see, Christ sees me in my finished state. He sees me in my finished state. He can look past our past and he can look past where we are today. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So even though we were sinners, we didn't deserve his love. He could look past where we are and he could see what we could become. When I walk in that building up there, the first few times I just shook my head. I'm not a visual person. I can't look past something and see what it could look like. All I could see is the mess and the filth and, and the, everything else. And I literally, I begin to pray, God, you're going to have to help me. If this is your will, you're going to have to help me get some, some visual pictures of what this thing could look like. Because I see it, what it looks like now. And I'm ready for a bulldozer. It's not really that bad. I'm just preparing you. But God began to speak to me and said, you got to look past that. you got to look past that. And so I began watching these crazy television shows where they go in and, you know, it just looks like the whole thing's falling apart when they get done. And what they didn't tell you is they spent like $5 million to make it look like that. And I begin to watch uh, Paul Castle down here, and he builds uh, uh, apartments downtown, and they put on Facebook, and you, he's demo, uh, demolitioning things and demoing things, and, and you look at it, and you think, that's never going to be anything. And then when he gets done, it's beautiful. But that's the way God looks at our life. We look at our life and say, I could never be, I could never look like that. I could never get to that point. And for us, it's hard to see that. But God, God sees it. God believes in us. Some of us, you've quit. You've got to a point and, and, and you started walking this Christian walk. And you said, I'm going to do what's right. And I'm going to do what's right. And, I'm gonna, and then all of a sudden, something doesn't go right. Something happens in your life. You mess up and you, you just want to quit. You want to throw up your hands and say, I'll never get past my present state. God wants you to know that He sees you in your finished state and that He saved you. He sent His Son for a reason and for a purpose and He can look past all of that. So don't quit. The enemy would want you to quit. I'm telling you this morning that God says don't quit. Your present state is not your finished state. We used to sing a song. Please don't throw anything at me, but uh, he's still working on me. Come on, how many people's heard it? Don't lie. Yes. 
Everybody that raised your hand, you just lost cool points. These teenagers sitting here in front saying, what in the world? They're, they're trying to get on YouTube right now. Find it. But he is. He's working on us. Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10 says, I am the Lord, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. He's declaring what it's going to look like in the end when we get to that state. You see, we see the mess. We see the mistakes. But I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what you've done. God believes in you. And when we gather together in his midst, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 says, For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell you, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. There's times that I come together and I get here and I don't feel like being here. But as I stand down there and we begin to sing praise and he is in our midst, I begin to realize he believes in me. Sometimes when I'm preaching, sometimes when I'm saying things, I'll say something and it's like the Holy Spirit saying, are you listening to what you're saying? That's for you. So if I ever say something or go down a road that, that you think, what is he talking about? Maybe it's just for me. But he believes in me. He believes in you. He doesn't give up on you. He's framing us. He's getting us ready. What's he getting us ready for? He's getting us ready to perfect us. To perfect us. We are finished by his grace. He perfects us. You see, to me, the foundation... And the framing, it's boring. I want to see the finished product. I want to see the drywall, it painted. I want to see the lights. I want to see, you know, all this stuff. That's what I want to see. The foundation and the framing are important. They have to happen in order to get to that point. But to me, it's boring. If we just left it like that, I'd go to church somewhere else. But we don't. We finish it. You ever had somebody do a job and they, and they, they do it well, but then they just don't know how to finish it? They can't get the drywall to match up or sanded right. You see little ridges and, and that kind of stuff. They can't finish it. You've got people who are, they can do the, 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 the framing, but they can't do the finish work. I can tell you God can do both. He can frame it, and He wants to finish it. And He finishes it, He finishes us to satisfy us. We wouldn't be satisfied until we're finished. He wants to put the finishing touches on our lives. You see, it's not just about His love for us. It's not just about Him believing in us, but He wants to perfect us. He wants to make you into something beautiful.
He wants to make you into something that when people look at you, they say there's something different about that person. There's something different about the way that they live their life. He begins to, to perfect us, to make us into something beautiful. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, and 10, 8 through 10 says, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. The two key words there are capitalized by His grace and we are His masterpiece. Do I look like an art lover? But I know enough to know when an artist gets through, they'll look at it and say, that's a masterpiece. And in galleries all across this world, there's masterpieces. And God said about us that we are His masterpiece. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. What is He doing in our lives? He is making us more and more like Him. What do we know about Him? He's perfect. And God wants to... Have you ever watched a potter... And they will take that clay and they'll put it on that wheel and, and they'll work with it and work with it. And it looks like, man, that could never turn into anything that, that would amount to anything. And I'm sitting there thinking, it's not going to happen. But they keep working with it and working with it. And sometimes they mess up and they, they have to, to crush it back to, down to a lump and start over but they keep working on it and working on it. And by the time they're done, it turns into a useful piece of pottery, a useful vessel. They keep perfecting it. They keep making it into what they intended it to be. That's what Christ wants to do in our lives. He declares that we are His masterpiece and that we are made in His image. He loves us. He frames us. He wants to perfect us. Psalm chapter 27 verse 4 says, One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. He said, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. When you're down, 
when you don't feel like being here, when you don't feel like being the church, you need to be reminded it's exactly what you need and what you're called to do. God is working on you. Don't quit. Don't give up. If I had a dollar for every time that, that I have dealt with someone that is walking along and then they just quit. I mean, I was a youth pastor. I get on Facebook and I see, it almost bring you to tears. But they got in the middle of a situation and they didn't allow the Holy Spirit to lead them and guide them and they quit and they gave up. I'm telling you, this is the last place you want to run from. The last place, because this place is supernatural. You can come in here with your hurts and your pains and your disappointments. And when we gather together in his midst, he will do something supernatural in your life that no man can do. You say, well, I've been hurt in the church. Join the club. If you're breathing, someone has hurt you. But I'm not giving up on the church because if he builds it, if he builds it, it's going to be successful. He died for it. The church is a force that perfects us. One last scripture, Psalm chapter 122, verse 1. It says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I believe that if church is happening the way that it is supposed to happen, that it's not going to be boring. It's going to be a place that you can come in and that you can celebrate the fact that Christ died for you. You can celebrate the fact that he's working on you and you can celebrate the fact that he wants to perfect you. And we come together in his midst to see all that happen. I love the church. Can you tell? I love this church. I love the church. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. You may be here this morning Let me say, Pastor J.W., it's, I have a hard time accepting his love. I have a hard time accepting the fact that he loves me. Constantly dealing with trying to the fact that I don't feel like that I'm good enough to receive his love. But the very foundation, the very foundation is that he loves you. That he wants to live in your life. If you're here this morning, you say, I have never really asked him to come into my life. I've been coming to church, but I've really never just turned it all over to Him. 
And I want to be able to declare and to, to know that I have believed in my heart and confessed with my mouth that He's Lord. that's you, I won't call you out, I won't single you out, but I, I would just like to, to know just by the upraising of your hand, that's me. I've been coming to church for some time now, but I've never really confessed. Would it be one? You might be here this morning and you may say, been discouraged here lately. been concentrating on my past or my present state or things that the enemy has put in my path and, and I don't feel as if I, I, I can't see me in my finished state and I've been tempted to quit more than once I didn't even want to come this morning been tempted to give up God wants you to know that he believes in you and that he sees past what's behind you and the state that you're in right now. He says, don't give up. Don't quit. Press through. Press toward the mark of the high calling. If that's you, be honest with yourself more than anything. Slip your hand up. That's me. I feel like quitting. I felt like quitting. Thank you. Anybody else? God says, don't quit. Don't give up. Thank you. You're not here this morning by accident. You're not here just because you didn't have anything else to do on a Memorial Day Sunday. God loves you enough that he designed this morning just for you. Anybody else? I feel like quitting. I feel like giving up. Thank you. Right now, right where you're seated, we're going to pray. We're going to believe God. We're going to believe that God and the Holy Spirit will fill you with a determination that you've never known before. A determination that you're going to keep pressing through. You're not going to give up. You're you're going to come and be part of the church. And you're going to see those things happen that he declared would happen when we gather together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning. You see every hand that was raised. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will just do something in their lives. Speak to their hearts. Allow them to know. God loves them. That you care for them. You sent your son to die cross 
And as easy as it might be to quit, to stop, give them strength, power, determination to realize that it's a trick and it's a lie from the father of lies. Reassure them that you believe in them, that you love them, that you're working on them, and that you are perfecting them to do that which you created them to do. God, allow us to to walk in the fact that you created us for a purpose and for a reason. God, you didn't just create us first and then decide that you needed to find something for us to do. But God, we were created. You said, in my mother's womb, you knew me. You had a plan for me. God, reassure every person under the sound of my voice that you have a plan for them. And that plan, and that plan, to fulfill what they've been called to do. Father, we love you. And we praise you. And I thank you for the hearts and the lives that have been spoken to this morning. Not through my words, but just through the power, the supernatural power of the same Holy Spirit gave Mary Jesus and that gave us the church that same spirit speaking to our lives and our hearts today lead guide and direct us